Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. Who is this? Who is this one who rides into town so unassumingly, so humbly? Who is he? That's the question we're going to be asking for the next uh, several weeks. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to worship. My name is Peter. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, Not only because we get to worship the one who rode into town on a donkey, but also because it's Tanner's birthday today. So as a birthday gift for us, he gave us a poem. Love it, Tanner. Thank you so much. Who is he? That is the question before us. Hey, some of you maybe are wondering, why is there a large feeding trough in the worship hall? Um, That's because during our 1030 worship service, we're going to be baptizing four individuals. Because as we just sang in the song, hell has lost another one. No, actually, hell has lost another four. Right? And not only has hell lost... Yeah, you can applaud for that. And not only has hell lost another four of those folks, but we're also going to welcome three additional covenant partners. That's what we call members here. We call them covenant partners because we're partnering in ministry. It's not the country club. You don't join and become a member. We're welcoming three new covenant partners as well. So actually hell lost seven this week. Pretty amazing, right? Super great. So I don't know. You might want to stick around uh, for the second service. Uh, last week, Ebony and I, this is Ebony, you know, I thought, um, yeah, I haven't given you, well, I haven't given you an update on uh, Ebony, Ebony recently. Some of you have been asking, you know, how's Ebony doing? Uh, well, I mean, she's amazing. Look at this. She's doing great. Uh, so last week, Ebony and I um, took the trail less traveled up to Ice House Saddle near Mount Baldy. Have you ever been to Mount Baldy before? Up there? Some of you? No? You should really go there. It's beautiful. You know, it's an hour and 15 minutes from right here without traffic. Otherwise, it's about two and a half hours. So we went up uh, to Ice House Saddle, which is near Mount Baldy. And I got a a couple pictures. This is um, at the beginning. This is near the end. This is up uh, Timber Peak. How cool is that? This was just this last week. There's still snow up there. It's just, uh, just beautiful. And of course, you know, the selfie. Couldn't get Ebony to take the picture. So Krista and I, we have hiked up to Ice House Saddle a number of times, but we've done that from the popular side, which is actually up Ice House Canyon, and uh, it's popular for a reason. It's really beautiful. Uh, It's a relatively short hike up this wonderfully, beautifully treed canyon up to this kind of subalpine area known as Ice House Saddle. There's wonderful panoramic views. You can see so much from there. It's beautiful. But Ebony and I, I, this last week, we took the trail less traveled on the other side. 
Not the Ice House Canyon side, but the other side, the Lytle Creek side. It was considerably longer. It was considerably more difficult. And you know what? It was considerably more beautiful, more rewarding, more interesting. And during the hike, I was reminded of um, this guy. You remember him, Kid President? I was reminded of Kid President's adaptation of Robert Frost's poem. If you haven't heard this, here it goes. Two roads diverged in a wilderness, and I chose the one less traveled by. And it hurt, man. There was rocks and glass, and I tore my pants. Not cool, Robert Frost. That's Kid President's version. I got wondering if, uh, if the trail up the middle fork of Lytle Creek on the side that is less traveled by, I got to wondering if that trail is actually kind of like the way of following Jesus. It's more challenging. It's more demanding. It's also much more beautiful, much more rewarding, much more life-giving. So with that in mind, uh, let's pray as we open up today's scripture reading. Pray with me, would you? Gracious and living God, we do come before you today hoping, praying, desiring that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts so that we might see you, so that we might hear your voice, so that we might receive whatever it is that you have for us today. We thank you for this account in Matthew's gospel, this account of you arriving in Jerusalem so unassumingly, so humbly. We pray now that, Jesus, you would arrive in our hearts humbly, yet as Lord and Savior. For we pray this in the good name, the good name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus rides into town on a donkey, right? And when he rides into town, he immediately encounters um, the expectations of the crowd, the people who were gathered there, the people who were also waving palm branches, who were laying their cloaks down on the road. That's how the crowds celebrated Jesus' arrival. They were celebrating the arrival of the king whom they had been waiting for. And so they were waving palm branches just like we were. But the king that they expected Jesus to be was not the kind of king that Jesus actually was or that Jesus actually is. And you know what? It's not also the king that they needed him to be. The king they expected him to be was not the king they needed most. And what expectations do we have about Jesus? What expectations do you have about Jesus that don't actually align with who he is? that don't actually align with what he came to do, what he came to accomplish. The crowd's expectations become pretty clear by what they say. They say, Hosanna to the son of David. And Hosanna is just this kind of funny word. It comes to us from a different language. It just means praise the Lord. And it means praise the Lord because actually technically it means God has come to the rescue. It's like a cry out for God to save us 
while at the same time celebrating that indeed God has come to save us. So the crowds, when they sing Hosanna, they're essentially saying, thank God. Thank you, God, that the king has come to rescue us. And we know from the historical context that the crowds had something very specific in mind when they were singing Hosanna, when they were giving thanks to God that God had come to rescue them. They had a very specific rescue operation in mind. And it was the rescue from the terribly oppressive Roman occupation. I wonder if these days we can relate a little more or at least begin to imagine how difficult and oppressive it is when foreign occupiers are in your land. So the Romans, they had conquered Jerusalem, right? They had conquered Jerusalem with the sword and the Jewish crowds who were there welcoming Jesus, they expected Jesus to come wielding a sword. To raise up a kind of violent revolution against the Roman war machine. This is what they hoped for. This is what they were so excited about. Jesus has come to rescue us from the Romans. Praise him. They say, Hosanna to the son of David. The fact that the crowds called him the son of David, that's true. The fact that they called him the son of David just underscores their expectations about Jesus. Their expectations that Jesus was a warrior king who would reign with the might of the sword in much the same way that King David did. Finally, the new David has come to wield a new sword and reign with might. This is what the expectations of the crowds were like when they were waving their palm branches, when they laid their cloaks down on the street. But Jesus, Jesus rides into town. um, He rides into town like no other. Right? He shows up on a young donkey. Kings do not ride baby donkeys. This is not a thing that they do. It's like the prime minister showing up driving a Hyundai accent to the palace. Right? This is not what prime ministers or kings or presidents drive. Had Jesus come to rescue them from the oppressive Roman occupation, he would have ridden into town not on a donkey, but on a what? Maybe like a stallion, a champion war horse, right? The Roman occupation in the first century represented what was really difficult for those who were living in Jerusalem. Citizens could rarely get ahead because the taxation was so oppressive. Any money that they earned tended to be stolen by the Romans. And there was this thing called the Pax Romana. It promised peace, but it was hardly peace. It was just the absence of violence if you obeyed the heavy-handed Roman occupation. So the citizens of Jerusalem, they were frustrated. Life was difficult for sure. And they thought that they needed to be liberated from the Roman occupation. But in reality, they needed so much more. Can you see how Jesus will fail to meet their expectations? Can you see how the crowds were sure to be disappointed 
that they were longing for Jesus to ride into town on a war horse and wield a sword, but he was anything but that. Can you see how they became so disappointed that just within a few days, the crowds will be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus rides into town like no other. He also rescues like no other. While the crowds, they wanted delivery from their difficulties, right? They wanted to be delivered from the difficulties of the Roman occupation. But Jesus comes to deliver them and us, to deliver them and us, not from a Roman occupation, but from an enemy much more insidious than this. He comes to rescue us from sin and from death and from the evil one. How often do you wish that Jesus would would rescue you from your difficulties? Would take away some of the challenges that you face? Yet what if Jesus came not to make your life easier, but to make your life fuller? I guess I should say more full. You know, I would think that the people in Jerusalem would have known by now that if Jesus had come to overthrow the Roman occupation, that it was just a matter of time before someone else would occupy them. I would think that by now they would have learned this. First, they were enslaved in Egypt. Then they were invaded by the Babylonians. Then it was the Persians. Then it was the Greeks. Now it was the Romans. Who would be next? And isn't this how, the diffi- how our difficulties in life tend to work? The moment that one difficulty in life goes away, another arises. It's just how life seems to work. It's full of challenges or opportunities, as we're supposed to say. And it's not enough for us to be rescued from these difficulties, rescued from these challenges. We need so much more. We need to be rescued from our sin. We need to be rescued from our own brokenness. This is the rescue operation that Jesus came to perform. It's a rescue operation like none other because no one else can do this for us. That's why the Apostle Peter says with such confidence in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No one else can rescue us from this pit. We can't climb out of the pit on our own. No one else's reach goes far enough to pull us out. But Jesus can. He can rescue us. And he's a rescuer like no other. And Jesus also reigns like no other. Jesus knows that violence tends to beget more violence. He knows that using a sword against the sword of the Romans is a pretty ineffective way to make peace. So Jesus doesn't come on a war horse stallion wielding a sword. He comes on this young donkey and then he wraps a towel around his waist as a symbol of servanthood. The crowds desired to have the power of the sword taken away from Rome and given to them instead. And they saw Jesus as a means of getting that, of getting that power. But instead of the power of the sword, Jesus arrives and he offers them the power of a transformed heart. 
the power of a transformed life, the power of love, the power of Christ in them. Jesus rides into town like no other. Jesus rescues like no other. Jesus reigns like no other. And that's because Jesus is a king like no other king. He is one of a kind. Yes, he is the son of David. And he is categorically different from David and every other king. So the title of this sermon series that we're beginning today is just these three simple words. Who is he? Three simple words that if we are to pursue have profound implications. Who is this one who so unassumingly comes to town? Who is this one who rides into town like no other and and who rescues like no other and who reigns like no other? Well, Jesus, he's the king of my heart. And so the question for you today is, will you invite him to ride into your life? And will you invite him to rescue you from what you really need rescuing from? And will you invite him to reign in your heart as Lord? This might be part of your journey where two roads diverged in a wood. Will you take the one less traveled by? If you do, it will make all the difference. Last week, Ebony and I, we took the path less traveled by up to Ice House Saddle. It was definitely harder, and it was definitely way better. Inviting Jesus in, going the Jesus way, it might not make your life easier. In fact, I'm certain it will not make your life easier, but it will give you the gift of real life, of purposeful life, of eternal life. And friends, that should be a pretty easy choice, shouldn't it? So will you open your lives and your hearts that Jesus might ride in, that he might rescue you, and that he might reign as the king he is, the Jesus way? Let's pray together. If you've never invited Jesus to ride into your heart, then just pray with me. Not complicated. Jesus, we, in, we open our hearts and we invite you to ride in, to come in, to come and have your way in us. We don't know everything about you. In fact, there's a lot about you we don't know. But what we do know is that you are the true king. So come. Jesus, we invite you to rescue us where we need to be rescued. In other words, rescue us from sin. Rescue us from death. Rescue us from the evil one. 
And Jesus, we invite you to reign in our hearts as the Lord, as the master. For we know that you are a good, good master. For you came and you wrapped a towel around your waist so that you might serve us by rescuing us and being our Lord. If you invited Jesus to ride into your heart many years ago, then pray with me now. Jesus, thank you that you arrived, that you showed up, that you came. Thank you for the gift of your presence. Thank you that you rescued us from sin, from death, and from devil, from the devil. God, we want you to reign in our hearts, but we confess that very often we prefer to sit on the throne instead of you. Very often we uh, prefer to have our own way rather than the Jesus way. So Jesus, would you once again help us, give us the power that we need to submit to your leadership, to your lordship, Come and reign in us. Reign in us again. Jesus, just as we will see in the next service as four of your daughters and sons will be baptized, so we also want to identify with our baptism, those of us who have been baptized. And we want to again affirm that we have died to sin, that the old self has been buried, put to death with Jesus on the cross, and that that's not the end of the story because we have been raised to new life, to resurrection life, just as Jesus was raised from the dead. So Jesus, help us to live in this new life. Thank you that you ride in like no other, that you rescue like nobody's business, and that you reign like no other king. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, for it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpc.org.